Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big Knowledge Football Dynasty Podcast. I'm Sonny and I'm your host. What is up? Welcome in. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe. Hope you're staying positive. You know, this world is so full of negativity right now. It's very easy to get caught up in that negativity. Uh, But it's all the more important, I think, to just stay positive in these times. So any kind of positive influence you can have on your neighbor, on your friends, on your family, um, be positive, man. It really helps. It helps all of us. So that's why I'm here today. Try to bring a little positivity. Try to bring a distraction for you guys. Talking a little bit of rookies. I'm not going to break down the entire draft or go over the whole thing right now. What I kind of decide I'm going to do is try to keep these into uh, bite-sized podcasts still. And so... I've had some experience now with some of the rookie drafts. I've done some rookie drafts. I've kind of looked over some rookie drafts. Uh, Last podcast I put out was before the NFL draft. I know I said, uh, don't freak out. Everyone's talking about trading away these picks because it's such a terrible draft class. Just be patient, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you want the truth, it's it's looking like a pretty terrible draft class. I got to admit, especially now that it's all broken down and you can kind of see it as it lays out across the first round, second round, third round. Um, That doesn't mean it will end up a terrible draft class, but as the feeling of putting that capital into certain players at certain positions, uh, it does feel a little gross, but at the same time, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm like of the mindset that I would trade these for 2024 picks um, even now, because I don't know if you've looked, the 2024 class isn't all that appealing either from what I'm looking at. I'm sure there's a couple good quarterbacks. I think everyone's like, oh, but there's Caleb Williams. Same thing with this class. There's some high-end talent at the top. You got Anthony Richardson, you got Bijan Robinson. Uh, what you don't have is a lots and lots of depth, or at least depth that you can identify as usable depth, something that you know uh, where it's going to end up and, and how it's going to you know, affect our fantasy teams. So with that said, I will say, yes, I would probably uh, you know, admit that it, it's more likely that I would try to trade some of these 23 tricks. I'm just not so sure I would trade them for 2024 picks. Maybe more so uh, some different players that are currently in the league, if you, if you can kind of get somewhat value that that a normal rookie pick would get a normal rookie first round pick a normal rookie second round pick if you can package those um before your rookie drafts or and i know a lot of the rookie drafts have already happened with the safe leagues and stuff like that it's i i tried to time one i just with mother's day and my wife's birthday my daughter's birthday this has been a busy month may was a busy month for me and so i really just didn't have the the right timing on that one Uh, either way i still think there's plenty enough rookie drafts and there's plenty of people needing to um, kind of still decipher out this information I think it has some value to it. Okay, so when we're talking about the first round, let's go ahead and just get into the first round. It was a gross round. It really feels gross. It feels like there's a lot of players that maybe aren't first round picks, but they somebody's got to go in the first round. We're talking about Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnson. There's this little group as it gets to the second half of that first round uh, that feels pretty gross to me, and I'm just trying to kind of mentally decide how do I want to pivot? Do I want to take a player? Do, do I want to trade for 2024 picks? Maybe, but you know, honestly, the thing that stood out to me was maybe what I really want to be doing is trading for current assets like a Traylon Burks, like a DJ Moore. If you can package even a first and second round pick uh, that are the later parts of that first and second round of this current draft and get a player like Traylon Burks, I think it's worth it. I think the DJ Moore swing, even if we're not convinced that DJ Moore and Justin Fields are going to hit it right off. Um, either way, I, I, I bet on the player. I bet on a player that's proven it in the league. And it's to me, it's not that much, you know, if you can get 
pay just a Zay Flowers plus a little bit, I think you're getting a huge win there. Um, so that would be the kind of mindset I'm having where I'm thinking, how do I how do I swing these picks into current assets um, that are still young enough and, and haven't popped yet? Like a Traylon Burks, to me, hasn't really popped. He, he showed some moments last year. At the same time, there might be some people with some doubts, and this would be the time to buy before that, that asset really inflates. Um, but really, when I looked at the draft, it, I, I really wanted to get some Anthony Richardson. I talked about this um, pre-NFL draft, that I was really trying to get my hands on some Anthony Richardson. I was hoping that he would fall a little bit, or if he didn't fall, people would have some concerns. Um, that didn't happen. And so I had to relook at this now because it's really Anthony Richardson and Bijan are the two most likely top picks in almost every Superflex draft. Um, and then it becomes a little more open-ended. So one of the targets that I have now after this kind of hashed out is Bryce Young. Because Bryce Young was not only the number one pick and the, the probably the highest floor quarterback, where you know Anthony Richardson has this ceiling, obviously, um, but if we're having to pay for that premium and not you know without any guarantees, it becomes a little less coveted. I, obviously, if I can get him, I will take him um, over Bryce Young. But at the same time, I I, had, I got put in this position where I traded up for the three spot prior to the NFL draft. Um, I traded Tua away in a Superflex leg for the 1-3, and I was targeting Anthony Richardson at that spot, and then he went number one in that draft. Bijan went number two, and so I had to kind of do some soul searching, do a little more research, and you probably do this. You go back, you start watching players again. Who do I really, you know, who am I going to pick? It's one of my first rookie drafts um, after the NFL draft, and I spent some time watching Bryce Young. I spent more and more time watching him to kind of come around on him. And this is a little confirmation bias. And once you, once you know, there's this confirmation bias thing where once you make a decision and you go with something, then you find reasons to confirm it. So I have now drafted some Bryce Young, and it does probably uh, tilt me a little bit to the positive side on Bryce Young. But I'll tell you why I drafted him. You know, I'll tell you why I made that decision in the first place. Is because when I watch him, I do see, I think, what people are kind of missing with him is there's the Drew Brees comparisons. There's the, oh, he's so small, and he does. He looks tiny out there. Um, but I see the Kyler Murray a little bit. Not so much the Kyler Murray that we spot, who we talk about with the passing, but the Kyler Murray of the legs. And so I think that was the, the thing that I kind of missed with Bryce Young is a little bit of his athletic ability is being overlooked. His ability to get chunk yards uh, when things break down and he can use his legs. So he is undersized. You don't necessarily want him running, uh, but he makes plays. I think he's uh, there is going to be some kind of hidden rushing upside to him. And then when you watch him with the passing game, it's, it's night and day. Um, in terms of his ability to navigate the pocket compared to Kyler. I think Kyler has always struggled with that. Kyler has arm talent, amazing accuracy arm talent, um, but he's always had issues navigating the pocket. I talked about this a podcast a couple of years ago. You can go back and listen to it there. I don't know which episode it is, but there's receipts there talking about Jalen Hurts being a better pocket passer than Kyler Murray. Back when Jalen Hurts was, everyone thought he wasn't even going to keep the job for a second year. But I, I saw what I saw, which was he seemed comfortable in the pocket and Kyler never did. Bryce Young is a whole nother story where he really is comfortable in the pocket as long as he can navigate it and see down the field. So I do think there will be situations where it's like a Kyler thing where he's going to struggle to see at times. But in terms of the rest of it, the flow of the game, understanding how, you know, just how football works and, and those natural instincts, so the ability um, to just make plays without having to think much, um, it's all there for Bryce Young. And I do think that that gives him not only a really good floor, but potentially a pretty high ceiling too, um, if he hits. And so Bryce Young is one that I've come around on. 
in terms of trying to figure out, well, who do I take? Or if I wanted to to trade up, would it be that expensive? I don't think it probably would because the Anthony Richardson, Bijan Robinson picks um, are very coveted. But once it gets to the Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, uh, Jameer Gibbs kind of range, there are people that are skeptical, they're hesitant, um, and they may want to move back and take somebody else and, and let somebody else take that pick. And now I'm thinking, yeah, I might be the one to move up and, and make that play, especially if it's just including a couple other later draft picks from this current draft class, which there's a lot of question marks and, and it's, there's some ambiguity as to the value of those picks and, and how that value will play out. So that's the first one for me is Bryce Young. I am targeting him a little bit. I'm coming around trying to figure out how to get some more Bryce Young just because I think people are a little bit down on him, especially with the size thing. Um, it's just kind of a funny way to treat the number one pick in the draft, a guy who uh, they gave up a lot of assets to go and get and everybody's kind of poo-pooing it all based on that he doesn't look very big compared to his teammates and on the field. Um, so maybe this is that perfect window to buy. And maybe, you know, like I said, it might come back to be egg on our face in the sense that he is just too small. Um, but I don't know. Just watching him play football, watching him run around, I think, yeah, there's some athletic ability there that, that's kind of being overlooked. Uh, it's just always the Drew Brees comparisons and his ability to navigate. He's got some Kyler Murray to him in terms of the rushing ability too. Don't forget that. He is not a mobile quarterback. So I want to throw that in there. Um, the other player I want to talk about that I'm targeting, it's also kind of just a boring, it's, it's like, yeah, duh, but Jackson Smith, Smith Najiba. So JSN is really not moved either. He's still probably the top receiver in most of these drafts. Occasionally, Jordan Addison might jump him. Um, but JSN is really still the top receiver. It's just that what was before felt like a lot of people trying to really get their hands on him, and he was like a no-brainer, could be the second, third. He could be, go ahead of Jameer Gibbs. He could go ahead of some of these quarterbacks, potentially. Now it doesn't feel like the case at all. It feels like he is that first pick after the Gibbs and the quarterbacks and, you know, Bijan and stuff. So that he's he's still that first pick, but it's, again, this position where people might be a little hesitant. They not, might not be that excited to pick him there uh, because of DK Metcalf, because of Tyler Lockett. Uh, they wonder, okay, what kind of production might I get? I'm feeling kind of the opposite way. I still feel like Jackson Smith and Jiba could actually lead lead the Seahawks in reception in his very first year. If he comes out and he plays that slot, you've got DK who's, you know, kind of stretching the field. You've got Tyler Lockett who does some of the uh, versatile different things and also stretches the field. But you got Geno Smith who, to me, is a very accurate, short kind of, he's picking you apart. He's kind of managing the system. They run the ball a lot and then they want some, you know, some completions, a lot of like consistent completions. And that's Jackson Smith and Jibba. So to me, I think that is the the real um, the potential upside for him is that he could come out and actually come right out of the gate as the player we all thought he could be, um, but doing it a little bit sneakily because of the, the surrounding players on his team um, might make you think that it might take a while. So those are the two that I'm targeting. Again, you're going to have to pay what you're going to have to pay for them. They're not. It's not like they've fallen down the draft board. It's just maybe that they're not as... Um, it's not as hard to for that owner to let that pick go if you wanted to trade up to get it. Or if you're at that spot, it may not feel as gross to me to, to take those players there as opposed to, oh, I got to get out of this spot because I really don't want these players. Um, so the players I'm avoiding in round one, there's a handful of them. Zach Charbonnet is one. It seems like Devin A. Chain and Zach Charbonnet are kind of sneaking into the end of that first round. And I just don't love it. I do not want to spend capital on a running back who's coming in as automatically as like a third down back. Um, to me, sure, if Charbonnet was going into a situation where he could really win that starting job, um, it just the, the narrative. I can't. I can't see a narrative where a guy like Kenneth Walker is going to, other than getting hurt, is going to give up enough of share to Zach Charbonnet 
that he's going to be worthy of a first round rookie pick. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I could be wrong. And it's not, like I said it before the draft, I do like Zach Charbonnet and I was always kind of um, interested in him, but I also was hesitant because I felt there was a lot of interest from the fantasy community. Um, him getting draft capital and going to Seattle uh, didn't seem all that great to me, but obviously it's been good enough to get him into the first round. And it just kind of shows how weak this this class is, especially on the, the high end of that first round that he would end up him and A-Chain. So A-Chain is a little bit different for me. I am interested a little bit in A-Chain. I just don't know if I would want to spend a first round capital again um, for a player that's fitting into uh, with a lot of different players, a lot of different running backs. They like Miami is very much like San Francisco. They like to use a lot of different bodies. Um, He's undersized, and I know they said he gained weight. Um, so, you know, I've, I've always liked A-Chain. I think he's an exciting player, and I've always kind of wanted to see how it would play out. And this Miami situation does leave uh, some room for that high end, for that for the ceiling there. So I see why he's kind of getting pushed up at the same time. Uh, there's still a lot of room for the floor to fall out, if in my opinion. So that's why A-Chain uh, is one of those that I'm kind of avoiding here in the first round. I'd just rather trade that pick away for an asset. Um, but if I have to take somebody and, and I at the end of that first round... Um, and I don't have any other choices. A chain might be there, so it's not that I'm completely avoiding him. I would just it, it wouldn't feel good. It would feel a little gross. Um, and then the third player is Dalton Kincaid. That's just one for me that I've talked about a lot of times. I'm just not high on taking spending a lot of capital on tight ends. Again, this is a weak class. Can't fault you for doing it. Um, but I just think that everyone's assuming that there's a lot of talk amongst the fantasy community that he's going to come in and he's going to be that slot receiver, and then just right out of the gate he's going to be getting wide receiver type targets. I mean, if that's the case, then then great. Dalton Kincaid is definitely value there in the first round. I just there's there's a lot of targets there. There's they already have tight end there who's been very successful. I just tight ends take time to develop. So many aspects of this situation tell me, okay, fine, but I also could see it completely being nothing. Like he comes out of the gate really slow and and doesn't have much production, and it's just this idea of Dalton Kincaid instead of an actual you know, substance there. So that would be my concern, and that's why I'm still kind of avoiding him, especially where he's going like sometimes 8, 9, 10. You know, that's, that's pretty high for me. I would rather pivot, try to get a Traylon Burks with my first and second round pick or a lot of different ways I would go besides just tagging a rookie tight end coming in. Uh, just too many, too many years of development for most of these guys. Okay, so let's move on to the second round. This one was a really tough one for me, the second round, just because there was it, it really is kind of convoluted. There's not any consistency as to who really goes in the second round. Sometimes players like Zay Flowers were falling out of the first round in the second round. Uh, one thing I did consistently see was guys like Jonathan Mingo going early in the second round of rookie picks and Jaden Reed sometimes going to late first, early second. So those are actually two of my avoids. I, I talked about Jonathan Mingo and how I might try to target him, uh, but Late first, early second just feels a little bit high. I don't necessarily uh, think he's going to come out of the gate, you know, as a as a real valuable asset. I think there's there's some potential for him, but he's probably going to work his way up. Um, he's got DJ Chark and Terrace Marshall and uh, Thielen, so I, I don't even know that he'll probably be on the field all that much in his rookie year. And to pay a first round pick, or I mean, a late first round or early second round pick, just doesn't feel exciting to me. It would probably be another situation where. I'm trying to pivot, maybe just move back in the second round, gather some other assets, move, maybe move into next year's second round pick. That that might be something that I consider even from the early slot of a second rounder. Maybe that's where, you know, I don't know the pivot exactly. I just know that I don't feel really good about taking Jonathan Mingo or Jaden Reed. Um, what I will say is as the round goes on, I start feeling a little bit better about players like Will Levis, uh, Roshan Johnson, Kendra Miller. 
those are some of the middle kind of second round players that I would target. Uh, Will Levis only because you're talking about positional scarcity. You're talking about a, a player that if he does hit, if he does get that starting job, uh, you get an enormous value boost. He would boost himself above a number of those players that even got drafted in the first round um, if he just got a chance to start. He's got athletic ability, and it, like I said, if, if it all kind of just times up where he gets a chance to start, even if you don't believe in him, that's a selling window for you. Um, once he gets that starting position, that value uh, will pop enough that there will be some kind of return for that. And then Roshan Johnson and Kendra Miller really comes down to the fact that there aren't many running backs in this class uh, where they got drafted that they could potentially come out of it as a starting running back, as the guy who gets majority of the carries. You know, not, I wouldn't say necessarily a three-down back, but a the lead back in their backfield. And Roshan and Kendra Miller both have that opportunity. It doesn't guarantee anything, um, but at least there's like some of that potential, and you're going to take them with the second-round pick. Um, there's the floor of a player who's a part of a you know committee backfield with the ceiling of still potentially being that guy. That's that's decent value for that second round pick, and so that's kind of why I chose those guys there. Okay, let's get into the third round now. The third round was interesting. I actually had quite a few players I liked in the third round. This is where it, it's like you, it gets a little cheaper to take these swings, and therefore it becomes more appealing. Um, and there are a handful of guys that I kind of really liked in that third round, starting with Cedric Tillman. I really like Cedric Tillman as a third round pick. Uh, just as much as I talked about Jonathan Mingo, I talked about Cedric Tillman, and I actually like Tillman better than Mingo. And so if I could get Tillman around later uh, than Mingo, that feels to me like a win um, and, and a swing I'm willing to take. So Tillman has been high on my list, especially if I can get him in that third round. Uh, players like Chase Brown is appealing to me just because of the Bengals situation, and Brown is a good athlete, and he's he's a big boy, which makes me think that you know the Bengals kind of have clearly a mindset of, of wanting a physical runner in there. I think that's what the Samaje P. Ryan um, you know, kind of him getting a lot of carries last year stuff. That was in large part, I think, to the, the fact that they, they want kind of a bruiser. And Chase Brown, he's a big boy. He's got physical attributes. Not convinced that he's necessarily, you know, that great of a running back, but there's also potential that he could be better than we thought um, coming out of Syracuse. And so to me, this is another one where he could potentially be a three down back or, or a lead back um, in a very uh, strong offense. Getting that in the third round seems appealing to me. So Chase Brown is on there. And then Luke Musgrave is one tight end where now we're hitting third round. And I really thought that this situation might be one of the better situations in terms of tight end uh, production, uh, if, how, depending on how Jordan Love covets tight ends and, and relies on maybe some check down type stuff. Um, it, and there might be ability to pop there. Again, he's a tight end. It probably will take some time, especially with the rookie quarterback. Um, but for third round value, now now I'm talking, I feel like he's just as talented as some of these guys, that, that, or if not more talented than some of them, um, that just went way earlier and got first round type uh, rookie capital. Here we are in the third round. Okay, I feel a little bit better about Luke Musgrave. Uh, and then two other names, Tyler Scott and Michael Wilson. Michael Wilson for the Arizona Cardinals. I just think that that, that wide receiver room, Depending on what happens with DeAndre Hopkins, all, all the rest of the receivers, you know, if you have uh, Hollywood Brown, you have Rondell Moore, Michael Wilson could fit into that trio and be a starting wide receiver right out of the gate and getting him in the third round. Um, he has some definite upside. He's one of those players that's, you know, he's got injury issues. There's some reasons he fell in the draft, uh, but if everything works out for him, he could have been a kind of a steal um, where he was taken. So that to me is, is appealing to. You know, he was taken, I think, in the third round, and he's falling as if he wasn't a wide receiver that was taken in the third round. He's falling in rookie drafts kind of as an afterthought in a lot of ways. And same thing with Tyler Scott. Tyler Scott, Chicago Bears, 
uh, very athletic. What I love about Tyler Scott, he's almost like a running back. He's got that slot kind of appeal. When you watch Tyler Scott, you see a player who, you know, it's got all kinds of ability and he hasn't been playing wide receiver that long. He played running back for a consistent amount of time. I think he's still learning, still growing. I, st- I think there's untapped potential with Tyler Scott that's not being looked at. Then you look at the Darnell Mooney situation. And Mooney, um, I think he's at the last year of his contract. The Bears, with by drafting Tyler Scott, may very well have just said, all right, we're not going to pay Darnell Mooney. Instead, we've got his replacement. So I can see a little bit why Scott is falling because there's not really a spot for him in the field uh, maybe this year. But by next year, there may be a, like an absolute fit for him where he feels right in. And also, you know, I just don't know. There's a, the versatility with his game. He could be used kind of in other ways uh, with running, returns, those kind of things. So I always covet players like that as well, especially if you're scoring uh, accounts for that. And then the two players I would probably be avoiding in this round most likely are even and I love Israel Benaconda. So Israel Benaconda, I have him in my Debbie League. I was always a fan of Israel Benaconda. Um, I didn't really talk about him leading up because I felt like there was a lot of hype for him, and I actually think he's a really good player in the fifth round. Um, if he'd have gone to a lot, some other teams, I might think there's a sneaky opportunity for him to come in and steal uh, the starting job. But when you're talking about Brees Hall, you're talking about the Jets situation. It just feels like there's it's crowded enough a backfield that. I mean, I wouldn't be against taking a Benaconda, but like I said, I just named a bunch of other players I would probably take ahead of him. So I just, it kind of disappoints me um, that his landing spot is what it really comes down to. I just think it's going to be tough for him to get on the field. He doesn't have the kind of draft capital that's going to force anyone to get him on the field. Um, So he could be sitting there for the next couple of years. We all know we, you know, sitting there going, oh man, if Benaconda got a chance, he could be really good. Yeah, along with a lot of other players over the years that have that same kind of career project you know trajectory or whatever where they end up kind of like it's like oh they're so talented but they're just stuck behind somebody who's better for year after year and eventually you know they might get a shot here and there after because of injuries but you just wait too long and you roster clog for way too long and then evan hole is another one where i just don't have a lot of interest in evan hole i know there are some people that come around on him he's an athlete but from what i've seen just in terms of his abilities or running back it's just not that appealing to me i think he's more athlete than he is running back and I don't, I just don't, maybe I could be completely off on this one. Uh, but with the Colts in that backfield and everything, sure, he could get on the field or he could just be their third running back and just kind of a, a piece of death, depth. So those are the kind I'm avoiding. There's really, honestly, I, I feel like the third round is one of those ones where my favorite, probably my favorite round of this class because there's almost no bad pick. You can just t- start taking swings. And that goes even further into the fourth round where now I almost have no uh, bad picks in the fourth round because it's fourth round. How are you going to make really a bad pick? Um, but I do have guys I am targeting. Sean Tucker, Zach Evans, some of the quarterbacks, Stetson Bennett, Jake Hayner. Uh, one quarterback I want to mention that I pretty much been trying to get just with my last pick if I'm like right there at the end or if it's a like some of these drafts have five rounds or you know, is Jaron Hall for the Vikings. So Jaron Hall out of BYU, um, a little bit older. He's 25, a little bit smaller. He's not real big, but he's got athletic ability in terms of running, running with the ball. Um, he's got a rocket arm. He's uh, like the work ethic, the attitude. There's a lot about Jaron Hall that to me is appealing. Now he went in the fifth round, I believe. Um, so when you look at draft capital for quarterbacks and the odds of them working out, uh, it's very, very low, very rare. Um, but I don't know. Something about the kid is, is sticking with me to the point where I want to add him. I'm willing to pay even a little bit of capital to add him uh, just in case because he is kind of the first uh, pick, the first quarterback of Kevin O'Donnell's uh, tenure 
in terms of bringing a guy in that he chose himself. And he has talked about him a couple different times already. So this is a kid who was a fifth round rookie pick. Um, but during the rookie, uh, you know, during the rookie training camps and things, there's been attention on him, not just from the media and some of, you know, but actual the head coach has been talking about him. So there's something there. Maybe it's not much. Maybe it's just potential as a backup, you know, but I, I'm, I don't know. For some reason, I'm making note of him in, in my thing. And so the only, I think the only stay away for the fourth round for me is these oddball tight ends. So this is where, again, I'm just kind of crushing the tight ends, but it's like these, there's Brenton Strange and some of these other tight ends and sure they could end up being good but the odds of them being good and the amount of time you're going to have to wait and all that it's just not likely to have a player that's going to pop early and with those fourth fourth round picks and some of these I just want some clarity I don't want a player that sits on my roster and I'm like yeah well he could be good I just have to wait a couple years to find out well waiting those couple years uh, really ties your hands behind your back in so many ways gives you less versatility with your roster so I'm much more inclined to take Sean Tucker and Zach Evans these late round running backs that have potential because I can get clarity more easily. Then I can kind of see how is it panning out in training camp? How how are the coaches talking about? It? Where are they going on the depth chart? All of those things will give me much clarity as to how how quickly I can either move on from them or should I really hold on to them. Same thing with the quarterbacks a little bit. Um, and the scarcity of those positions just allows me that if a quarterback gets hurt and Jake Hayner goes in or Stetson Bennett you know gets an opportunity, that's a valuable piece that I can't imagine ever a tight end from one of those kind of oddball positions are reaching unless it becomes like a George Kittle situation where it's like the once in a while that really great tight end comes. But I don't want to be stockpiling tight ends trying to accomplish that. It's just such a rare uh, feat and such a, a small percentage chance that that's not where I'm going to go. I'm going to keep trying to take those swings on running backs, quarterbacks, those kind of things in the fourth round. So that is it. That is the podcast. Just want to give you guys a little breakdown of what I was looking at for these first couple rounds. Players I was kind of interested in. Players maybe that I'm not so interested in. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you want to get a hold of me, you can find me um, on Twitter at BigKnowledgeFFB or you can email the show at BigKnowledgeFootball at gmail.com. Again, thank you all for listening and I will talk to you soon.